either one of these any good? Wow, this is a good movie. It's pretty good. Yeah, well, the director from yesterday doesn't think so. It stinks. You sorry. You waste all our film. <laughs> it's so bad. And we are back. Thank you so much. Uh, apologies for the uh, absence last week. One of us had to go out of town. <laughs> uh, remain nameless, but uh, we're back. And glad you are as well. She is Hope Madden. He's George Wolf. And we are from MadWolf.com. This is the Screening Room Podcast. And boy, this is a good week. Yeah. A lot of good stuff to talk about this week in theaters, streaming all over the place. And we'll check in with the Schlocketeer in the lobby coming up. But we'll start off with a big one from Pixar. While spending years attempting to return home, marooned space ranger Buzz Lightyear encounters an army of ruthless robots commanded by Zerg who are attempting to steal his fuel source. It is Lightyear. of survival with an inexperienced crew is 38.2 percent hmm, seems a bit low mission failure imminent in three grandma always said she believed in you too one there was a big swirly too oh, i think i need a bag no, no. please record your last words do not vomit inside the vehicle do not vomit inside the vehicle if you are satisfied with this recording speak or select uh. one to infinity are you trying to get me to pull your finger? Don't fall for it. No, not like that. Ugh, sorry, it's a thing your grandma and I used to do. Yeah. Well, there's a big kerfluffle on the internet right now, because there always has to be, about the fact that Tim Allen is not voicing Buzz Lightyear. But just look into it just a tiny little bit, and there's a perfect reason for that, because this is not the same Buzz Lightyear from the Toy Story movies, even this, even though it is an origin story. Yeah, this is a movie about... The movie Andy went to see when he was a kid that made him want to get the Buzz Lightyear doll. Exactly. They set that up right from the beginning, which I loved. Yeah. Uh, and right because right away it gives you those good feelings from the original Toy Story. So it's a double-edged sword though because you get that good feeling, but now you got to live up to that really for Excellent. Four best of the best of Pixar. Here's I'm in that franchise. Say so the the Toy Story franchise is the single best franchise in cinematic history. You know, I was talking to somebody this morning on one of the radio stations uh, I call and who who didn't doesn't really care for that franchise. I said, "What? That's crazy. What is wrong?" Yeah, that's crazy. It's fantastic. But anyway, this is the movie that Andy was so in love with that caused him to want a Buzz Lightyear. That's the origin story. And this time Buzz is voiced by Chris Evans, who's it's a totally different character, does a totally fine job. It's funny because for about the first 45 minutes or so, I'm just wondering, we're wondering, why did Andy like this movie so much? Because it really takes a while to get going. There's a lot of backstory. Uh, if you're thinking about taking your kids to this, they might get a little restless, especially in the early going, as it sets up a lot of exposition. It, it does A lot of it does end up paying off at the end, but it does take a while because, yeah, Buzz is, is of course, a space ranger, and he, he feels guilty for marooning his, his settlement on this planet, and he knows that they can they can all get home if he's able to reach hyperspeed again, which they're in his in his ship, which he's having trouble doing that. But he's committed to sticking with the mission, seeing the mission through, and he keeps doing these test runs, trying to get to hyperspeed. The thing is, though, every time he makes one, he runs into this time dilator, and somehow four minutes in space ends up costing him four years back at base. So every time he goes up and comes back down, four years have passed. Although he stays, of course, only four minutes older. So 
generations go by, and he ends up, when he finds, finally ends up battling Emperor Zurg, the evil Emperor Zurg, of course, um, he's doing it with a whole different team, this inexperienced team, and in one case, the granddaughter of his cohort from the very beginning, and she's voiced by Kiki Palmer, and you've got this ragtag group of misfits, including a robotic cat named Socks, who's pretty funny. But that takes a while before all that happens and really start into some serious action with the actual story about what Emperor Zurg is up to. And I will tell you, if you've been around for all these movies and the you remember from the uh, backstory of Buzz the Toy, Emperor Zurg, he's the evil Emperor Zurg, yeah. you know, the big villain. He, there's a surprise in store. Uh, Zurg has a surprise, and Zurg is voiced by James Brolin. That's nice. Uh, there's a surprise, but once they get to battling in space, then the movie really takes off and I think makes it satisfying. First of all, the cinematography, it's like someone pulled off some sort of haze or something that was, was holding it back before then. It's gorgeous all of a sudden. There's a spacewalk that is just goosebump-inducing. It just All of a sudden, it just turned into a different movie for me. And uh, we were talking to somebody this morning. Well, it was on our TV gig. One of the hosts said... He was a little bit, you know, not really thrilled by the trailer. And I, and I think that that's legitimate. I mean, it's I remember the first time I saw the trailer, first of all, thinking this looks like a serious film and yeah. not a comedy. Right. And, uh, you know, and that um, it just felt very flat to me. And yeah. of course, and you know, I love those first four movies. Oh, God, they're great. So, so much. And I can remember not wanting a fourth. I did not I'm want Toy with Story you. 4 I'm because with you. 1, 2, and 3, it was a perfect. perfect. It was a perfect trilogy. But we love 4. We love 4. We so l- I, I really wanted to be open yeah. to this one, but I was worried because, uh, no, as that's... Buck was, because the trailer was pretty flat. Now, here's the thing, though. 45 minutes is too long to wait. It is. Especially it, in a kid's movie. I tell you, it, it really is, and that might be a problem for some of them. The, the director and co-writer is Angus McLean, and he was a co-director of Finding Dory. So he's been around, he's been around some of these for a while. And it does, but, but Finding Dory is, you know... Yeah, it's, not the best either. No. So it does. It takes a while to find the footing here. You want, There's nothing in the early going to really make it special. And you're right, it is a lot more serious. There are funny lines. There are funny lines. But it's not the kind of comedy that you expect from the Toy Story franchise. But, but again, this is, this is a separate deal. You know, keep remembering, this is the movie that inspired the toy. So you think of it that way, that's why it's not in the same vein. But I'm just saying, give, give it time, and once it hits that mark into the third act then it really it really becomes satisfying that the uh, the pace quickens it starts reminding you it gives some callbacks to some of these great science fiction films like aliens and 2001 and there's still some fun but there's some thrills as well and it looks just fantastic so just just hang in and it'll 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 pay off toward the end uh, and and you'll you want to hang around through the credits, of course, uh, you probably expect this is the kind of movie that's going to give you something uh, through the credits and beyond. <laughs> and it does. There's one midway and there's one at the very end. And they're really just for fun, just for a couple of chuckles. But uh, you might as well sit through them. But, yeah, that's uh, that's the thing. Some of the younger kids might be a little restless early on. But but if you do pay attention to the the exposition and the, the story that they're, they're building in the early going, it it does pay off with some good warm feelings at the very end about what makes a life's mission matter and things like that. So it does come back around, but just hang tight, and I think uh, you will be satisfied. Not up to the Toy Story level, but that's pretty. That's a pretty darn high watermark. Yes, it is. But still ultimately satisfying, and that is out in theaters everywhere right now, and that is Lightyear. 
All right, let's go to Netflix next. In the near future, convicts are offered the chance to volunteer as medical subjects to shorten their sentence. One such subject for a new drug capable of generating feelings of love begins questioning the reality of his emotions. It's called Spiderhead. This doesn't feel right. Time to worry about crossing lines was a lot of lines ago. Our work will save lives. Not just one life, many lives. We're making the world a better place. What you want is redemption. And this is how you're going to find it. We're selling peace and harmony itself. (laughs) Beautiful people get away with too much. And I say that having benefited myself from time to time. First of all, I find it very curious that they're using that song in the trailer, Le Fleur by Minnie Ripperton, because it was just used to such great effect in Us just a, a couple of years ago, and it's not in this movie at all. But we'll get to the music in a little bit. But this is the latest from director Joseph Kaczynski, who's riding high right now with Top Gun Maverick, and that just shows you how long ago Top Gun Maverick was done. Because he's got these boom, boom, two big movies right on top of each other. Both with Miles Teller. Both with Miles Teller and Chris Hemsworth. They're the the two big stars. And this one was a little different than I expected. I didn't really know much about it before we saw it. But I enjoyed it in sort of a B-movie way. It's got some interesting clashing tones about it. It's it's a lot more darkly funny than I expected. It does does cover a lot of well-worn territory. Yeah, it's um, it is. I think B movie is a good way to describe it. And uh, and they're on this gorgeous island. The cinematography was quite beautiful, mm-hmm. but it's it takes you. It's an interesting concept because it's really fairly contained. It's by no means an action movie. So it was kind of funny. I think the the casting, although it works out, I think that Chris Hemsworth playing kind of against type. Mm-hmm. He's very fun. The writers are the same writers who did Deadpool, the same writers who did Zombieland. Zombieland. Yeah, Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, and this is from a based on a, sh- a short story. Mm-hmm. And so I did expect it to be funny, and he's funny. His character is funny. Yeah, but that's... in a dry sort of you know uh, a very almost cartoonish way. Yeah, it's not nearly as funny as Deadpool or Zombieland well, at all. It's not really a comedy. No, the rest of it is. It's just uh, his character yeah. that is darkly funny. I, but but I laughed quite yeah. a bit about it. I thought he was funny, and um, and I think that there are a lot of interesting setups. It's it's a much I think simpler film than it thinks it is. I think mm-hmm. the film seems to think it's a little bit weightier than it really is. It's a kind of concept you've seen lots and lots of times in lots of different movies, but I do think the execution here is pretty good. Yeah, and it goes over ethical terrain. You're going to be reminded of the Stanford prison experiment, of the the classic Milgram experiment, and even uh, things like narratives like 1984. It is. It's it's well-worn territory. Not the most profound thing, but but still decent points to be made. And if you like Yacht Rock, you will, <laughs> you will very much enjoy the playlist that Chris Hemsworth's character, Steve, and by the way, don't call him Mr. <laughs> what, is my dad in the room? <laughs> he loves the Yacht Rock. He sure does. Yeah, and Miles Teller is one of his subjects and who starts 
pushing back a little bit. He, he starts to see behind the curtain of, of what's really going on. And you've also got Journey Smollett from um, Lovecraft, Lovecraft Country. Country. She's in as well. And it is. It, I, I did find it entertaining. Yes. It's it's not great. But if you think of it as, as B-movie fun. Yeah, it's got I thought a, it was fun, yeah. A darkly comedic streak to it. It's not reinventing anything. And it's not... Like you said, if it thinks it's being really profound, it's not. It's just we know these lessons, and we're just seeing them again in a different way. But just, I guess, if you just appreciate his the 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 comedy layers of his character, of Chris Hemsworth's character, I think it makes it a lot more fun. Yeah. Um, and it's on Netflix now, and it's called Spider. Spiderhead, by the way, is the name of the facility. Yes. Uh, and it is on Netflix now. Boy, I got a, just a charming comedy drama next. A young man who works as a bar mitzvah party host strikes up a friendship with a mother and her autistic daughter. This is Cha-Cha Real Smooth. I want to thank you for being so kind to Lola. Easiest thing in the world. I'm having more fun now than I did the whole night. Giving your heart to somebody is the most perplexing thing. You can't just decide that you love somebody. Yes, you can. No, you can't. Yes, you can. We don't need you to babysit anymore. Why? Lots of reasons. Is he your soulmate? Do you believe in soulmates? I think we all have a ton of soulmates. How many soulmates? For you, like four. How many do you have? Like 1,200. <laughs> so Cooper Rafe wrote, directed, and starred in this movie. He's 24. It is the second film that he's written, directed, and starred in. The first one, he was 20. Yeah. And in both cases, that was called Shithouse, and it's a great movie. Yeah. Both of them are remarkable films. Yeah, he's, and, he's and talented. I think one of the things that he does so incredibly well, I think most filmmakers, most creators generally, they need some distance from a specific time period before they can comment on the time period. He absolutely brings you to a very specific slice of life. He yeah. He can tell you exactly what this moment in time is like for this age. Yeah. And it's so strange for somebody to have the context and wisdom to be able to do that. Yeah. But and that's to, what this movie nails. Yeah, and to the sort of writing that you, you think is, is wise beyond his years, yeah. like you were saying, because he does play this 20, in this case, a 22-year-old, just out of college, kind of aimless, but he's a real he's got a real gift for making people have a good time. Yeah. And he ends up getting paid to do that as a host of, of a party. A, par, a party. bunch of bar mitzvahs. But a bunch of bar mitzvahs. And uh, through at one of those parties, he meets uh, Dakota Johnson's character, who is there with her teenage autistic daughter. And uh, Cooper Rafe's character, Andrew, uh, and Domino is Dakota Johnson, and, and her daughter is Lola. They strike up a friendship, and it just goes in different places places about about growing up and finding yourself and you know you you get to the point where you want them to get together are our domino and andrew going to get together do we really want that um and just finding yourself even though they're not domino and andrew aren't i guess that far apart in age they are far apart in life and in uh, generations which is actually going to come up again in a movie we're going to talk about here in a minute but uh, it's just it's just a lovely film, funny, touching, warm, and insightful. Yeah, it absolutely is. I think it's it's so open, it's so forgiving and vulnerable, and and his performance is as uh, in the lead is just 
stunning to me. I mean, he's so, um, I think, just honest. Yeah, you know, very and honest. Yeah, tender. Yep. And um, and it is a funny film, and it's and it's it's a it's a movie really about. His life is so full of promise, but he can't see it because he's living it. Mm-hmm. So it's that moment you finish college, and so you know childhood is behind you, youth really is behind you. But what's in front of you, if you just look around, looks awful. <laughs> looks awful. I'm yeah. going to be selling my time. Yeah. I'm going to be miserable in a job and a career. And so he still... just he just has this flash, this moment where oh, he can still cling to it. He's yeah. just gonna. He's, Party. St- he's still living at home yeah. uh, with his, his mom is Leslie Mann and his yeah. stepdad is Brad Garrett. And they're great. The two of them are great together. Yeah. And he's basically in his younger brother's room. And there's some nice bonding with his younger brother. Yeah. But, uh, but again, I mean, I think, I mean, the performances are amazing. The writing is very, very good, too, as is the direction. But it's just, to me, the way he nails that fleeting moment in yeah. human life Yeah, and also a, ver- a very nice performance from Vanessa Berghart. I think yes. it was her first movie. Yes. Playing Lola. Very sweet. So, yeah. yeah, it's just a charmer. It's just one of those that is just going to make you feel good. Yep. Um, yeah, it, there's a little bit of heartbreak and pathos in there, too, but oh, it's, sure. it's, it's so warmly done. And you know one other thing I appreciated? The character of Andrew, you don't see that version of masculinity very often no, on don't. film. you don't. Mostly, with a character like that, he's going to be portrayed as gay mm-hmm. because he's so openly emotional and tender and tender mm-hmm. and that's really nice to see it absolutely is yeah there are so many things about that character that you just don't see elsewhere two different times he said you know he said uh, sometimes i think i have autism and she'll go really no i don't know why i just said that he said that like two or three times yeah. and it felt so honest yep yep it really does that's another one of the many things to appreciate about this film boy keep your eye on cooper rafe because uh yeah 24 years old. Yeah, Do crazy. something, kid. <laughs> Would you? This is out in uh, theaters now. I think you can also get it on Apple TV. And a good one. Cha-cha real smooth. Well, following up on some of those same themes is this comedy drama. Nancy Stokes, a 55-year-old widow, is yearning for some adventure, human connection, and some good sex. This is called Good Luck to You, Leo Grand. I've never had an orgasm. There are nuns out there with more sexual experience than me. It's embarrassing. Do you want me to brush my teeth? Oh, God. This is crazy. Nancy? It's terrible. It's wrong. Nancy? Yes? Come have a dance at me. I, I guess I'm frustrated. Is Leo Grand your real name? Thinking about all the places I should have been by now. No, I simply don't understand why you're doing this. This to save up for our college. Oh, how wonderful. Are you really? No. <laughs> I've never done anything interesting in my life. You're the only adventure I've ever had. Emma Thompson. Absolutely anything. Anything she's in. I'm in line to see it. Amen to that. This is on Hulu. And Emma Thompson, you get so used to her. I love when she is playing an in-charge character that just lays waste to everyone in her path with droll put-downs. Oh, yeah. I love that. Me, too. And she's great at it. She doesn't do that here. No, she's (laughs) adorable. She's adorable. It's a reminder of how she can do everything. Yeah. Uh, Self-effacing humor here and and vulnerability and longing, and that's what's going on here because she is Nancy. She is a widow. Her husband has been gone now for a couple of years. Uh, through her entire life, she has only been with her husband, and she had to fake that elusive moment all those years. And by the way, when she finally shows us just how she faked it, it's it's miles away from Meg Ryan, and it's a riot. 
So after those two years, she's in a hotel room fidgeting and nervous and second-guessing her decision to hire a young escort named Leo Grand, and they are in the hotel room. And most, almost all of the movie takes place in the hotel room through uh, their series of encounters. And uh, the writer is Katie Brand, the director is Sophie Hyde. Again, much like we were talking about uh, Cha-Cha, it's just so warm and wonderful. Yeah. You just you appreciate great writing. It's witty. It's it's subtle, but so insightful. And then the direction is great because even though it's confined to this hotel room most of the time, it never feels claustrophobic. It still feels cinematic. It's 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 just another wonderful movie. This is a great week for wonderful movies. And Emma Thompson, yes, is glorious because she always is. And also a shout-out to newcomer Daryl McCormick. Who, so good. Who plays Leo. Because Leo has some issues of his own. Sure. He's, he's incredibly you know, handsome and cool and suave. But he has some issues. And Leo and uh, Daryl McCormick reveals them in very graceful ways. And he's a newcomer. And I give him credit for going toe-to-toe oh, yeah. with Emma Thompson. Yes. Yeah, because you're not kidding. This is basically a two-hander, yeah. and he's coming with this being, you know, am I just going to be the other half? No, he he holds up. Nice. And it's it's really refreshing and and frank. You know, it's it's really frank in a way that is easy to appreciate. You feel like the characters deserve it, the actors deserve it, and an audience deserves yeah, this because type it's not, of movie. Yeah, it's not the kind of film that you ever see ever. Right. Not only because it's focused on a 55-year-old woman, right. but because it's being honest about sex from a woman's point of view. Yeah. Because 99% of all sex you ever see in any movie is absolutely geared at men. It's yeah. geared toward men, and it's geared toward fantasies that men have. Yeah, and there are a, a few very sexual and and naked moments in this movie, but they are treated just that way. Very frank and very honest, especially in a way that's true to the characters and to and true to these uh, terrific performances. And it is very witty, funny in spots, also warm and heartbreaking, but hopeful and insightful. And it's just about, take take the sex out of it, really. It's about embracing yourself and embracing what you want. But it also, like we were talking about Cha-Cha, this generational, because she sees, Nancy not only sees Leo as a subject of lust, she sees him as the power of lost youth, something that she doesn't have anymore and something that she realizes now her generation missed out on. And her character has, has a, a history as a religious education teacher. And it's a, I love that because it shows her now as a woman who is eager to learn things she was never taught and now regretting things that she did teach mm-hmm. to the girl, to, to most especially the girls in her classroom. Sure. And that comes into play when she meets uh, one of her previous um, students, uh, one of the few times we're outside of the hotel room. So it's just a great movie. It really is. Can't recommend it enough. Seek it out. It is on Hulu, and it's just it'll, it'll make you feel good, and you'll see a couple of great performances and a couple of great examples of writing and directing. So, yeah, good luck to you, Leo Grand. It's on Hulu. Big recommendation. And boy, here's another warm and wonderful comedy. That's the theme this week, and we're glad about it. After a particularly harsh winter, Brian goes into a deep depression, completely isolated and with no one to talk to. Brian does what any sane person would do when faced with such a melancholic situation. He builds a robot. This is called Brian and Charles. I've never met anybody that could build a robot. We're happy to I'm not a child. I can look after myself, man. 
What's got into you? I tend to learn from each thing that I build. Bullseye! I am your friend, Brian. I'm your friend, too. I want to go to Honolulu. Charles, what are you wearing? It's my Hawaiian hula skirt. This is one that was actually put on our radar by the producer of our TV segment. Uh, she wanted to talk about it this morning, and we didn't have it on our radar, but we're glad she put it in front of us. Oh, yeah. Oh, what a charmer. You know what it made me think of it in a strange way was Wallace and Gromit. And, boy, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's not much in this world I love more than Wallace and Gromit. So, yeah, Brian is just a very lonely, isolated man, but he doesn't seem to be aware of it. He's, you know, he's putting on a happy face. He's a good guy. He talks a good game, and what he likes to do is just build stuff. And he's he's in, an adventure. And he's in Wales. He is in Wales. He's in a very, very, very small community And in he's Wales. played by David Earle. One, one of the writers. One of the writers. And the uh, robot he builds is Charles, played by the other writer, Chris Hayward. And when he... Brian discovers a mannequin head in sort of, you know, a kind of a dump where he goes to find a lot of the fodder for his inventions. And he decides to use that and a washing machine and some other things and try to build himself a robot. And then Charles comes to life. And uh, and one of the things that's really fun about the film is what little it explains. For example, clearly Brian is being tailed by documentary film crew. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. No one ever tells us why anybody is documenting this man. And then no one tells us how exactly does Charles come to life. Even Brian seems a little bit confused by it. But the camaraderie and the comedy, once he does come to life, is just as charming and delightful as it can possibly be. And then, you know, for the first time, it may be in his life, Brian, he has different feelings. He's protective of someone else. Mm -hmm. And then you have sort of that adolescent problem. Like at first, Charles is all, and then Charles wants to do stuff and he wants to do stuff by himself. And then and he you wants know, to sit in the front seat. He does. Front, 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 front. It's so charming. It's so charming. And really uh, very anxious because there's a set of bullies in oh, town. Oh, sure, and, yeah. You know, I mean, it, you really do sort of clench up like, oh, no, what's going to happen right now? Um, But it's just such a delightful film. Yeah, boy, that really is the theme it this is. week. But uh, it's a good problem to have. And that one is in theaters, probably limited. Mm-hmm. One of the select theaters. But if you can find it, really a good one to seek out, a comedy. We should mention the director is Jim Archer by the way. And the comedy is called Brian and Charles in select theaters now. Another good one. Boy, let's take a big, dark left turn for this one. A fantasy horror animated film. A corroded diving bell descends amidst a ruined city and the assassin emerges from it to explore a labyrinth of bizarre landscapes inhabited by freakish denizens. And that is putting it mildly in Mad God. Loved it. Wow, what a trip. Yeah. And this is from writer-director Phil Tippett, who has been apparently working on this project for decades. 30 years. This movie is 30 years in the making, and in those 30 years, he did things like create, you know, uh, some of the animated puppets for um, Starship Troopers and Jurassic Park, yeah, Star, legendary Wars, stuff. Star Wars. Legendary yeah. stuff. Yeah. And but this has been a side project yeah. he's been working on, and now it's finally done. Yeah, and it's really overwhelming. It is. In a good way, but I mean, the 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 just density, the detail oh. of it, you know, the, the world that he's created, 
And the world itself and the different phases and different areas of the world, uh, it really takes precedence over a true plot. Oh, sure. Yeah, very um, much so. Yeah. So it's a lot of just dark grotesque and bizarre just sort of episodes that this this lone traveler stumbles into as he's he's got a map he's yep. trying to find something and then he'll just watch something yeah. unfold and then move to a different area and, and he watch looks something cool unfold. the assassin does, looks really really cool it's so much darkness i think as we said in our written review think the Hieronymus Bosch painting garden of earthly delight think of the hell section and then mix it with a tool video and you've got somewhere around the neighborhood of how dark this movie gets with the the creatures and the depravity. And even when you think you find moments of light and flowers, boy, it's not going to last very long. It is not. It is not. This sounds like a very negative review. I thought it was an amazing film. It is amazing. It, it was stunning. There, I mean, a lot of portions of it also, for me, called to mind the animated film Nine, and also, very definitely, Alan Parker's uh, Pink Floyd. The oh Wall. yeah, His, yeah. yeah Pink, not only in some of the creatures, but also in a lot of the score. Mm-hmm. It's a quick one. It's only about what 80, 80 minutes or mm-hmm. so. Uh, but boy, it's an experience. It really it's is. It's just an experience. Now it is out in select theaters this week, mm-hmm. but then it's going to get a wider audience because it comes it's shutter next week shutter next week yeah. so so if you don't have it at a theater this would be one if you can see it on the big screen you'll really get the full experience with it then yeah uh, with the score around you and everything but uh if not uh, most people will be able to find it if you have shutter of course you can find it next week but yeah this is we we did like it i mean it does sound oh, yeah. like but just be ready because it is dark it, it is. is a dark dark gruesome trip. gruesome yeah yeah, but uh, boy, it's something that's pretty much unforgettable, especially when you think the kind of craftsmanship. I mean, there, there's a segment, at least that I read, I'm not going to spoil what it is. There's a, there's a segment in this movie, a sequence that has to do with, with soldiers mm-hmm. that apparently took years. It took a team of like 30 people years to make just it's for amazing. that one segment. Yeah, I mean, it's, so it's an amazing accomplishment. And it's really, it is, it is an amazing film. It really and is. And it does. And it's not like it's completely without. Uh, tones or or a plot, but I think it's just it's sort of a rumination on the, the cycle of of war and violence, yeah, um, and just casual violence, yeah, and it invites violence you, for entertainment's sake, yeah, and it really invites you to read into it what you will because there is no mm-hmm. firm firm narrative, but uh, you just follow the assassin who again looks really cool, uh, <laughs> and that is Mad God in theaters, select theaters this week, Shutter next week. And on VOD this week, a horror thriller, a husband and wife's weekend in a mid-century modern vacation rental, turns deadly when the husband discovers the owner is a psychopath with a backyard of buried secrets and designs on his wife. It's called Mid-Century. I think I saw someone in this house. I'm worried. Just let me know you're okay. Do you live here? He used to. I found some human remains. My father committed multiple murders. The spirit is able to escape death. He must have been an alert. Watching Eldridge turning to his father. Help me put an end to him. This is kind of two movies in one. One, if you go back to, like, the 50s and 60s, is Stephen Lang plays a genius architect who has created this entire, you know, little neighborhood. And now years and years, decades after his death, um, 
these homes are considered, you know, sort of uh, historic landmarks in terms of mid-century architecture. And uh, husband and wife are spending the weekend there because she is going to put in a couple of some hours, one night anyway, at a hospital emergency room where she's hoping to get a job. And he's just going to kind of hang out in this mid-century house. He's also an architect. And her husband is very at home in this mid-century house. And she likes to point out, you know, that wasn't a great time for women. And I think part of the problem with this movie is that it is such a Me Too sledgehammer, Mm. but it's very clearly not really from a woman's perspective. It's not insightful. Yeah, it was written by a man, Mike Stern, directed by a woman, Sonia O'Hara, but yeah, written by a man. It just feels so forced and heavy-handed. It doesn't feel like it really possesses any true insight. Mm. Um, uh, But then the other thing, which is just kind of a minor point, Stephen Lang, of course, is great. And Bruce Dern has a very weird, semi-pointless, but creepy cameo. Um, <laughs> he does that well. He does do that well. The, but the, the modern story is very flat. The performances in the modern story is hard to get behind. It's hard to be interested in. And then when the two stories mesh, it just sort of gets a little dumb mm. at times. So it's, it's a film that I think it gave it a good shot. But it just, it's not compelling, and it winds up feeling, yeah, like a sledgehammer and not not in a good way. Yeah. It is always cool to see Stephen Lang, though, you're right, and that is called Mid-Century, out now on VOD. (laughs) Got a foreign film next on VOD. Nora has her own way of looking at the world, and when she meets Romy, she realizes why. Music is in the air, Nora's body is changing, and caterpillars are spinning their cocoons. Realistic and taking on the protagonist's perspective, it's a film that captures a... it's a film that captures a summer of change called Cocoon. Rachel Willis reviewed this one for us at madwolf.com. Loved it. And honestly, right now, it's a heat wave in Berlin in the mm. film, and it's Pride Week at home, and it's a heat wave at home, and it's a coming-of-age <laughs> romance. It's kind of perfect for this weekend. It's writer and director Leonie Krippendorf. And, uh, yeah, she really did love it. And please read her review uh, up now uh, at madwolf.com. But coming-of-age story, we have a lot of those, but you can always give it a fresh look. And yeah. you can always benefit from, from great performances in a new setting, and you get one here. And that is called Cocoon, not to be confused with the Wilford Brimley from the 80s. You can also maybe look it up as K-O-K-O-N, Cocoon, on VOD Now and Rachel's full review at MadWolf.com. Well, we've had a party so far, but here's the pooper. After planning a perfect heist, Nick is ready to score. One problem, his girl and the crew have other ideas. They take Nick down in a hail of bullets, but Nick doesn't die. And in a race for his life, seeks revenge one target at a time. It's called Blowback. I can get you your case that was stolen from the bank. Let me see if I get this straight. You steal from me, they steal from you, and now you want to steal back from them so you can give it to me? Yeah. I saw an opportunity, so I took it. That's the difference between people like you and people like me. Where's my goddamn briefcase? What the hell is this? Shit just got real. So our apologies to Brandon. Yeah, I was going to say, the film got some blowback on Brandon Thomas's review at MadWolf.com. 
He hated it. He did. What? Cam Giganet and Randy Couture, and it's no good? That's yeah. hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, just from, just from the synopsis. I mean, yeah. come on. You could tell that this is the same old stuff we've seen a million times and a million times better, and that's exactly what uh, Brandon thought of it. Yeah. Uh, so that is Blowback. Didn't think much of it. Out on VOD now, and you can get Brandon's full review at MadWolf.com. And let's end with a documentary on VOD called Echoes of the Empire Beyond Genghis Khan. I think the transition from being a herder to live in an urban area is very hard. In a period of rapid change, it brings up upheavals of all kinds. We are Mongolians. So we people, wild country, wild horse. If you live a nomadic life, you see the life differently. You will respect the limitations we have. We are not the last generation in the earth. That's some kind of nomadic way of thinking that had been in our country for more than 2,000 years. So obviously it's a documentary about Mongolia. It is. And Tori Haynes reviewed this for us at MadWolf.com. And she found a lot to like about it, but in a documentary that looks so much at the past, a lot of times you also want to look to the future and Tori didn't really see that here. No, and it feels like that kind of is the point of the movie, is to give you a sense historically of where Mongolia is right now and where they're moving forward. And yet, there's so much time spent in the past that you really don't get that sense. On the other hand, it is absolutely gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Just artistic, beautiful cinematography. It's a gorgeous film and kind of fascinating if you don't know much about Mongolia, as we did not. As we did not, and got some really eye-opening uh, tidbits there. And I can get through talking about it without going into that line about Mongolia from South Park. That's so right. Props to us that, for not right. doing that. But you can <laughs> che- <laughs> you can check uh, Tori's full review for Echoes of the Empire after Genghis Khan at MadWolf.com and the film available on VOD now. All right, well, let's get an update and see what's happening in the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. Let's all go to the lobby. All right, we've been away from the lobby for a couple of weeks. Hope it's not, hope it's not all dirty. Hope you're keeping it clean in there. <laughs> Checking in with Daniel Baldwin, a.k.a. the Schlocketeer, for the latest news. What's up? Well, it is pretty cluttered. Um <laughs> We can start with some streaming and VOD dates. Uh, Robert Eggers, The Northman, is currently available to stream on Peacock, if no one's seen that yet, and they have See that it. service. See it. Yes. <laughs> Chloe Acuno's Watcher will hit VOD on June 21st. Nice. That's a good one. Yeah, I haven't seen it. didn't come to my area, so Ooh, I'm excited on. for that one. <laughs> Uh, Sam Raimi's Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness will hit Disney Plus on June 22nd, so that's real soon. Yeah. And if Superheroes Aren't Your Thing, Downton Abbey, A New Era will hit Peacock on June 24th with the entire series and the first movie hitting service before then. So anyone who wants to catch up on Downton Abbey will have plenty of time to do so. You ought to see, you ought to see the, the face Hope's making right now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm guessing you don't want to catch up with the series. <laughs> Neither do I, but all hey, right. takes all kinds. That's right. <laughs> Uh, the religious horror film On the Third Day will hit Shudder on July 7th. A week later, on July 14th, there's a South African horror film hitting Shudder called Good Madam. On July 15th, IFC is releasing a horror film called She Will, which stars Alice Krieg, Rupert Everett, and Malcolm McDowell, Ooh. and is produced by Dario Argento. Oh. So, <laughs> hopefully that'll be a good yeah. one. Yeah. 
pivoting on July 15th. There's the Netflix premiere of an adaptation of Jane Austen's Persuasion, starring Dakota Johnson, Cosmo Jarvis, Henry Golding, and Richard E. Grant. Trashy, classy. (laughs) (laughs) I know what side I land on, but... Uh, on June or July 21st, Shudder is premiering the heavy metal music documentary about the band Guar, titled "This Is Guar." Oh my! <laughs> I used to I used to bartend at a, at a campus bar where they would play every now and then at the at the venue next door, and I would see the kids come out of there covered in goo. <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. Paramount Plus is premiering a new young adult comedy called Honor Society on July 29th, which stars Andrew Rice, Gaten. Matazaro and Christopher Mintz Plath. Haven't seen him in much lately. No. Right. And Paramount's Owen Wilson and Michael Pena starring superhero comedy Secret Headquarters is now skipping theaters and will instead hit Paramount Plus on August 5th. And Lionsgate set the Scott Mann directed survival, survival thriller Fall for a theatrical release on August 12th. That one's about a couple of friends that decide to climb an old abandoned radar tower as a challenge. And things do not go well for them. Mm. Was alcohol involved? (laughs) (laughs) I would hope not. Uh, September 1st sees the premiere of a home invasion horror comedy called Who Invited Them? And that's hitting shutter on that day. (laughs) Uh, Sony is re-releasing Spider-Man No Way Home in theaters on September 2nd in an extended form. They haven't said how much longer the new cut will be, but I think they might be trying to recoup some of the uh, Morbius loss there. (laughs) Got it. And Netflix has announced the September 23rd premiere for Andrew Dominic's controversial Marilyn Monroe biopic, Blonde. Yeah, I just saw where that's going to be NC-17. Oh, yeah. It's all all the way, all along it has going to be NC-17. Really? That's the first yeah. I've heard of it. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. And according to the uh, people who've seen it early, uh, it is very, very, very NC-17. Oh. righty. <laughs> so, uh, on the more wholesome front, there's a Kevin Klein and Scorny Weaver drama called The Good House, uh, hitting theaters on September 30th, courtesy of Lionsgate. And Disney's also set a September 30th re- theatrical release for their period piece murder mystery, See How They Run. And then we've got True Love, which is the latest science fiction film from uh, Godzilla and Rogue One director Gareth Edwards. That'll hit theaters on October 6th. And finally, Movie has set an October 14th theatrical release date in the U.S. for Park Chan-wook's decision to leave. Uh, a lot of stuff there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to have to hold us for a couple of weeks because you're on vacation next week, right? Yes. All right. Well, you have a great time. Don't get I sunburned. <laughs> I'll try not to. <laughs> and we'll, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Thank you. Oh, you can All catch right. up, always catch up with Daniel on the uh, interwebs at The Schlocketeer. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, looking ahead to next week. Boy, a couple of a couple of biggies we've been looking forward to for a while. Elvis, the Boz Lorman take on Elvis with Tom Hanks as uh, Colonel Tom comes out next week. And the one I've been looking forward to, which is not Elvis, Black Phone. We were actually going to see that just a few days ago, and there was power a power outage. outage in the theater. So we gotta we got to find another way to see it. But, yeah, I'm with you. Looking forward to that. Phantom of the Open is next week. Flux Gourmet, which we did see. That's been a while. I know. I requested it really early. It's finally coming out. Okay. Press Play also uh, comes around. Dawn Breaks Behind the Eyes. Wildhood. Granada Nights. Revealer. And Abandoned. Okay. That's all next week. But what do you think about this week? Well, a lot to like. A really, a lot to like. 
And uh, what did you like best about this week? Tell us about the ones you saw, want to talk about. We always keep the conversation going. Easily when you find us on Twitter. That's the easiest way, at MadWolf. Also on Facebook and Instagram, it's MadWolfColumbus. And the main website with all of our written reviews and other fun stuff like our horror movie-only podcast called Fright Club. You can find that all there at MadWolf.com. So whichever way you choose, keep in touch. We hope you will. And until next week, she is Hope Madden. He is George Wolf. And this is the Screening Room Podcast. See ya. I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. Okay, everybody, that's a wrap. <laughs>